Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Real Forno Show, a Skull Search edition. And we're going to be talking quarterbacks today. The Vikings have a huge decision this offseason in how they're going to attack the quarterback of the future. So we brought in expert Eric Edholm, draft analyst from NFL.com, to talk to us about what the Vikings could be looking at in this quarterback class and how they should be addressing the quarterback of the future. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing Editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire. Betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website. Publisher of Substack Run and Shooter. Host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. As well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a, a very special afternoon edition of The Real Forno Show. I'm your host, Tyler Forno. with me, as always, producer Dave, in the bottom right corner. I got the point right this time. And as you can see to my left, um, NFL.com's lead draft analyst, Eric Edholm, a good friend of mine, is here to talk quarterbacks today. Eric, how are you? Quarterbacks. Have you done any of that this, pre, this uh, pre-draft season here? I mean, I don't know. It's a position we gloss over so so quickly these days, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I've... I've been talking a lot about quarterbacks. Um, I, I wrote a feature piece about why I think the drafting Hendon Hooker is a big mistake. And then I'm writing one on uh, trading up for Will Levis and the merits of it here this afternoon once we're done yeah. with the show. But yep. I want to get your opinions, Eric, because uh, when we spoke down in Mobile, we didn't talk a lot of quarterbacks. We were talking a lot of the guys that were already in Mobile. And there really wasn't a lot of high-end draft talent there this year, but there was a lot of good. So I kind of want to start at the top of the class. Um, who's your number one guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I understand the uh, size concerns with Bryce Young, but I think there's a lot to like about him. There's also a lot to like about C.J. Stroud uh, without those concerns. And they're different quarterbacks. But, you know, if I had to pick somebody that I, that I had kind of the fewest major concerns about, Maybe not the, the, the sky-high upside, the, the thrilling athletic plays, but I just think Stroud has a, a tiny bit better chance to be successful over the long haul. Now, I'm willing to admit that, that Richardson and Levis have the, the kind of thrilling upside that is hard to ignore. I think it's a reason why they're, they're being placed near the top of the draft, but they also come with some issues that I think they have to be rectified or at least addressed, um, you know, before somebody is willing to take a crack on them. So uh, I've kind of got them in, I'd say, Stroud, Young with Richardson 
you know, the, 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 the range of outcomes is obviously a lot higher. Uh, and I've got Levis a very close fourth. I think he's, he's not a perfectly clean prospect, but somebody that you absolutely can, can feel comfortable mocking in round one. And, and yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little surprised at some of the slander on, on Levis this year. I know that there are some folks out there who get a little, a little testy when you suggest he's going to be one of the top QBs drafted, but I think there are absolutely reasons why he at least belongs in that discussion. I agree completely. And I think one of the reasons with Levis specifically is because there, there's this segment of people that are hyping him up to be like this next great thing when right. he's got yeah. real questions and he, but he has talent. Um, let's start with Bryce Young. You're number one. He's actually my number three. And a couple of real concerns I have with him, obviously the height and size um, you can, We've seen other quarterbacks be able to create. You have Russell Wilson and Drew Brees who were able to really create their passing window. But we've also seen some struggles from those guys. We've seen struggles from Kyler Murray, who is built thicker and is much denser than what Bryce Young is. Like Obviously, Bryce Young weighed in at 204. How much of that was a real weight? We won't really know. Um, yeah. There's there's going to be questions surrounding him. But my question for you, Eric, is a, a kind of – Pairing that in with in-structure play, I thought Bryce Average wasn't phenomenal in structure. I thought he was fine, but some of that quick game stuff, I, I, I'm wondering, with, in your opinion, how much of are you parsing out that he struggles with it versus Alabama and the struggles that they had on offense this year? Because, to be honest, it wasn't a great cast of characters he had with him. Yeah, this was not a typical Alabama offense, right? I mean, obviously, every year we see great names leave the program, and, and there's always this, you know, multiple five stars who appear ready to step up. Um, the offensive line wasn't the group that we've seen in recent years. The receiver group certainly was not. Um, you know, they had a pretty good tight end in Cameron Latu, certainly a very good running back in, in Jameer Gibbs who could catch the ball. Uh, what fascinated me was how many – empty sets they used and, and I think it showed a level of trust in Bryce's understanding of protections and, and how to get the ball out fast I'll disagree with you slightly on the quick game stuff I realized there were some uh some misfires there some of the accuracy wasn't as pristine as you'd like to see on some of those 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 shorter throws and even some of the predetermined stuff but um I saw somebody who I felt like was processing very fast you know I mean if he was CJ Stroud's size, I'd probably like him better than Stroud. But the reason I put Stroud just a tick higher is because I think he has the total package, maybe not as much wow uh, in his game. But um, I, I really like Young's ability to find backdoors and trapdoors when, when it looks like he's about to get sacked or, or there's trouble. And, and he's able to kind of salvage bad plays and, and, and turn them into plays you can live with. Those are kind of the hidden yard values that, that – that you wouldn't normally expect to show up for an Alabama player, right? I mean, usually they're the ones doing the, the stomping, right? But this past year, I felt like some of that really flourished. Interesting. I'll have to go back once I'm... I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm time. just saying I just think we have a we, no. we see, saw things a little differently there, yeah. And and I and I'm not necessarily completely agreeing. You're right, but it's always <laughs> good to hear different perspective, and then yeah. you can go recheck yourself. I remember talking with Lance Zerline about Jalen Hyatt, and he just thought that that he was on a different level than I did. I'm like, I, I don't see it. So I'm going to yeah. try and try. Yeah. I'm going to try and go see what he saw to try and get a better perspective. Um, because that, that's, that's the only way really to learn. And something yeah. I learned in 20, something I learned in the 2021 draft that I kind of want to relate to Bryce before we move on, uh, yep. the Zach Wilson phenomenon. 
Um, everybody loved how he was out of structure, how he kind of made some of those plays, but that in-structure play was never really there, especially against top competition. Um, that's kind of where I was at with Bryce. Do you see a- any kind of concerns? Because his best trait, in my opinion, is finding that hidden stuff, being Superman. Like when everything breaks down, you know you can trust Bryce to do something with it. But in the NFL, it's going to be a much more difficult task. Um, how do you see that kind of translation, and do you have concerns about that? Yeah, that, that's a great way to frame it, I think, which is, you know, uh, you shouldn't have to live in survival mode. So in a, in a perfect world, right, he'd go somewhere where where the the situation around him isn't as dire. But let's say he ends up with the Texans. Okay, well, now we have some questions, right? First-year play mm-hmm. caller. I mean, Bobby Slowick could be a, a terrific offensive coordinator for all we know. Just don't really have that evidence yet. Um, the skill position talent there is questionable. I would say the offensive line is, you know, emerging at best, I think is the how I would describe it, unless I'm not seeing the full potential there. I mean, Kenyon Green struggled as a rookie. We know Tunsil's really good. They have some other okay parts there. What I'm basically saying is that, yeah, it, it worries you to a degree that if he were to land in a place like that where the the – use the word structure, I want to make sure I use a different word, the, the uh, you know, in infrastructure, if you will, the pieces around him on offense aren't so weak and so limited and the play caller isn't so beholden to one type of scheme where, you know, you, you kind of put Young in a really bad situation. So I don't know. I mean, he, I just love the poise with which he handles himself. And again, I'm not going to dismiss the the size questions like some people do. He had, he had balls batted down at the line. He had mm-hmm. plays where those windows closed up fast. And, you know, not everybody can, at his size can do that. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that even if you're good enough with, with those size concerns, you still have to create for yourself and you have Absolutely. to create those windows. There are limitations there. Um, somebody who does not have those limitations, as you kind of mentioned, is CJ Stroud. He is my number one player in the class right now. Um, uh, admittedly, I have not watched Jalen Carter yet, so I do expect that to change. Uh, my biggest thing with Stroud is the dude is just money from anywhere on the field, throwing it to anywhere on the field, no matter who he's throwing it to. And that kind of consistency is why some people have kind of linked him to Jared Goff, just the ability to throw such a beautiful football. But he showed yep. against Georgia that he can do more than that. Um, my question for you is Stroud. Obviously, we see the arm talent. We see the ability that his receivers have on the outside. Like he's got, he had all world talent at the wide receiver position. Like you could argue that some of that room in 2021 is better than some rooms in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> but the Georgia game is an anomaly. And my question for you is: are, Do you have any concerns with that? And how much of that was an Ohio State scheme thing? really trying to hinder him from doing that. We didn't see Justin Fields do a lot of that in college, and now he's running everywhere for the Chicago Bears. You know how many 100-yard games Justin Fields had in college? Two. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that that I'm not saying that they're the same player by any means, right? But I'm saying that there is a context there that we have now seen with a recent example under the same play caller, Ryan Day, a very similar type of system in terms of really strong offensive line, Great receiver talent, a lot of vertical shots. You know, I mean, the, the, the package is very similar uh, to what Stroud had this past, you know, these past couple of years. So, I, 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 it's funny. It was interesting hearing his comments at the, at the combine. You could hear him saying, "Like, like I, I wish I would have 
use my legs more. I think he was so ingrained in the system of go through your progression, you know, read high to low, touchdown to check down. Let's 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 find before you bail, you're going to you're going to find guy, you're going to find somebody open. I think that was how he was taught or you know, similar. Mm-hmm. And I think that game necessitated it, right? He he saw like, look, this this pass rush is going to be a problem. Even Paris Johnson was getting beaten the first half. You know, like that was a fight or flight instinct. But then I think at some point in the game, he realized, no, 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 this is a weapon. This is this is not just a break glass in case of emergency option. This is something I can use. I don't think it'll ever be a massive part of this game. But, you know, could I see it being what Joe Burrow made it into as far as like ah, third and six, you got five wide, everything's spread out, you know, defense and man coverage, they're they're going to either heat me up or, or, you know, play too high safeties, whatever the situation, boom, I'm going to take off and get some easy yards, but it's going to be sparing. It's going to be, you know, he can extend plays that way. So I'm hoping he folds it into his game more. It doesn't have to be his, his fastball. I think it has to be his changeup though. So I don't know. I'm, I'm just fascinated with him. And I think, like you said, everything is crisp, it looks clean. It looks right. Does he have the most amazing arm? Or no? But you know, I, his first touch, I believe, at Ohio State was a forty-eight yard touchdown run, and we went, uh, you know, almost two years before we got to see that athleticism finally come out. But it's there. I think he's got it. Do you have any concerns with the fact that he played with such great receiver talent, and where he ends up with the NFL, he probably isn't coming close to that initially. Yeah, it's it it's one of those sort of existential draft questions that I struggle with. I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but I try not to punish people for playing with good players, right? Let, let's not hold it against them that he's playing with with future NFL players. And you know, I heard Nick Saban talking about it. Hey, Bryce Young went up against guys who are going to be in the NFL and going to make up the NFL for the next three four years. You know, and and I understood his answer, right? It's the same concept of. You know, the competition you play against, who's on your team, you know, what are the other outside factors there? Sometimes they do affect quarterback play. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough to really, truly punish a kid for having that talent. But if you don't acknowledge that that's the fact, you know, like you mentioned Zach Wilson earlier, he had really good skill position talent for that level of college football in 2020 going up against some soft defenses except for one, Coastal Carolina. So, in that case, it was a little more, yeah, we got we to gotta acknowledge this. I, I, I think the one real concern I have about him having that kind of level of talent and then not right away is some of those really tight window throws where he Good knew point. that if he, yeah. if he put the, like, the right ball placement for Marvin Harrison Jr., he just knew Harrison Jr. was going to go get it. And that, that guy, if you were to project 2024 right now, he probably goes top three. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, right, yeah. right after Drake, uh, May, and Caleb Williams. So yeah. I, I, I don't. I think you kind of write in that existential question there, where you can't really punish him, but you have to at least acknowledge it. And yeah. that's something that if he goes to Carolina, he's probably in one of the best situations ever for a number one pick, considering what their infrastructure is, their coaching staff, their front office. But it's going to be a fascinating one to watch. Yep. Yep. No, I like him a lot. I, I, I see a guy who could be both a game manager and somebody, as we saw in the Georgia game, making plays with his arms and his legs, somebody who can also take over a game at times. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just I don't know that he'll ever be a top five quarterback in this league, but I would be surprised if he doesn't have 
some extended success for a golf-like period, if you want to use that kind of parallel there. I think he'll be a player that you don't maybe fall in love with, but you're, you know, there, there's a reason why Detroit is is throwing its support behind Jared because he he makes the place and and he keeps the the you know the the trucks moving on time. Absolutely, and somebody who who sometimes had to keep the chains moving on time by himself was Anthony Richardson. And Thomas says in the <laughs> chat that Richardson sucks. Ask any Gator fan. Well, you're not going to find one more diehard <laughs> than me, and that's not really the case. Um, there's there's a lot of layers to the Anthony Richardson discussion. And what I came away with in having him my quarterback too was everything that you have with Richardson is super rare and his major issues are very fixable. Now, will he be able to fix them is a completely different story, but you can fix how a guy utilizes his feet in the pocket. You can fix a guy playing within himself and playing calm. You can't fix a first-year starter running the entire offense from the line of scrimmage and being able to navigate full reads and wanting to throw the football before using his dynamic rushing ability. Where do you yep. fall with Richardson? How do you feel about his potential like bust factor? Because with his with his issues, I think that's really the biggest question. Nobody questions his ceiling. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about just the, the 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 bare baseline of what his running ability and his athleticism will give you, right? It'll it'll avoid some sacks. It'll obviously stress the defense and force them to, I don't know, maybe play zone with eyes on the quarterback more or a, a spy, things like that. So you you know that alone is what makes him day one ready, in my opinion, right? Like you you go in and he'll be able to impact an offense from the get go with that. Uh, you know, so is he a project? In some ways, yeah, but in some ways he isn't too. So, you know, it's funny because obviously you watch like the Utah opener and, you know, he seemed to be toying with a very good defense at times Mm -hmm. and looked in full control. And then the next week against a Kentucky team that wasn't its normal strength from recent years, Will Levis looked like the better quarterback that day. That was my feeling that day was that Anthony's still got some work to do and he's got – so yeah, that inexperience factor and and some of that is 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 there. Even at the combine, I don't know if you noticed, like during his throwing session, he came out real hot. First eight or ten throws, whatever it was, were crisp on the money. His feet were, uh, you know, perfectly lined up with his shoulders. He had really good balance and distribution of weight and everything. I like. I'm not a quarterback guru by any means, but mm-hmm. I've sat around enough of them to know what they're looking for and to know how they look for that weight transfer. And, Make sure those those legs are being utilized the right way. By the end of the session, it did get a little sloppier, and he started throwing more with his arm and his upper body. So, you know, that part of it is going to take some time. But, you know, Cam Newton was a, a starting quarterback in 2020 with a pretty horrendous passing line. Not all his fault, but some of it was. And he was still deemed the best option there. So I think even if you struggle through some of his – inconsistencies as a rookie I wouldn't hesitate to play him I really wouldn't I think he's kind of got the makeup too of being willing to kind of accept and learn and grow on the fly yeah and and you could kind of tell um one of the things that was tough for Richardson is he grew up 15 minutes for the swamp and he he was a hometown kid you could tell after that first week everybody saw in Heisman Trophy he just looked like he he was too much for him the second he, he gets out of the swamp goes to Tennessee has one of the best games in the college football season last year with nearly 500 yards, five touchdowns, and was this close 
to beating Tennessee at Neyland it Stadium. Was. Thank, yep. Thankfully for me, he covered the spread, and that's really what matters. <laughs> Good teams win, great teams cover. Uh, let, let's transition to Will Levis because you mentioned that he looked better than Richardson in that game, which, quite frankly, I agree. Um, Levis is uh, – there's so much context, and I say this all the time. Stats are great, but they mean nothing without context as the context yeah. is more important than the stat itself. Well, Levis had one NFL caliber uh, receiver to throw to, Wandale Robinson. That was for one year. Chris Rodriguez yeah. is an NFL caliber back, but he lost like all of his offensive line from 2021. Uh, Rich Scangrello did not do him any favors, and the yeah. offense just looked awful. So when you kind of uh, equate all of that into factor, like to me, Will Levis looks like Kirk Cousins that can make a Josh Allen type throw. Like mm. he's just got that kind of howitzer, but like quick game, he processes really well. He hits it as targets. He knows how to read the field, but we just didn't get to see a lot of things at Kentucky. How are you parsing out the limitations the Kentucky offense had yeah. versus what Will Levis can do? Yeah, and with those injuries, you know, with the shoulder and the foot injury or whatever, I mean, the quarterback run game was gone. Like, that, even just the threat of that. Teams knew it other than maybe, like, some short yardage stuff or, you know, a change of pace play here and there. Like, the stuff that we saw Liam Cohen, his OC in 2021 running, who's now back there. I mean, how, how many times have you seen that? I can't remember the last time an OC or a coach for any matter leaves a team one year, goes somewhere else, both – Parties realize that it was better off with him there. He goes back. I think Levis would have, you know, would have flourished had he had another year under Cohen, and, and they had a little bit more talent around him. But I think the injuries factored it. The offensive line definitely. I noticed that especially late in the year, as they, you know, were, were banged. Everybody else was banged up too. Rodriguez wasn't running with the same sort of power. Everything was breaking down, and it just took some of the teeth out of that. It was funny because like I. I think during the, some of the scripted portions of games, he, you know, he performed pretty well. It was almost like once you got past the first quarter or so, you know, there, there's third possession or whatever. It looked like the play calling was was a little bit chaotic, and I'm not putting it all on Rich. I'm just saying it was almost like he didn't know what to do with this group and with a banged up Levis. So context is huge with him. It's huge with, with Richardson. It's huge with Young. You know, Stroud's the only guy who I feel like you can, you know, even with the, the, the talent question, I think you can kind of look at in a vacuum and, and evaluate cleaner than the other guys. So it's tough. I mean, I you see that tight, quick release. You see the arm talent. You see him able to make, you know, he made a, against my school, Missouri. A, a, I think it was about the first or second play of the game. He made a throw outside the numbers over the receiver's shoulder against an NFL-type corner in Chris Abrams' drain that I don't know that anyone else in this class makes. So it's you see those and you think, is he Josh Allen that we're you know hiding in 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 plain sight? I can't go there, but I can also say that I think it's a mistake overlooking him and, and dismissing him as a as a as a future bust. But I his confidence is fun too. I mean that's that's a big part of his game. Not everybody can eat a banana without peeling it first. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, he, he's gone to lengths, by the way, to, to dismiss all the, you know, the mayo and the coffee and all that. Like he has made sure that people understand that was a joke, people. It's like he, he's got a little edge to him, too. I kind of like the guy. Hey, uh, 
anybody who's willing to do that on camera in today's social media <laughs> age, that, that, that says a lot about their confidence. Um, yeah. The, the last guy we're going to talk about here is a guy that you have to have heavy context with, and that's Hendon Hooker. Mm-hmm. I wrote a long piece about why I don't think the Vikings should draft Hendon Hooker um, in the first two rounds, mainly because everything he was asked to do in that veer and shoot from Josh Eiffel was to maximize effectiveness in the college game. I couldn't take a lot of that and, trans- and project it to the NFL. And I-, I really worried about the fact that he really can't create. It's either he tucks in and runs or he throws the football. Uh, how do you translate Hendon Hooker's game in college to the NFL? And how, like, with how much I think he has to learn, I think being 25 is a really big red flag for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of the the – one or two read uh, progressions or the half field reads and stuff. That's a concern for sure. I, I have to go back and look. I, I, it does sort of feel like you, you said he can't create. One of the other elements of that too, I think, is that, you know, I think there was some design run stuff that helped free him up, but I don't know that his athletic ability is going to be really shocking. It's going to be more like Geno Smith where, yeah, it can, it can you can sprinkle it in. I don't know that he's going to be somebody who – dances and darts around especially coming off the ACL so yeah when is he going to be healthy Uh, you're already losing a year for a 25 year old that is a concern right to me that doesn't read first round pick at least not in this day and age and certainly not for for a team like the Vikings or something like that or the Browns or whoever else so all those things are are absolutely fair criticisms but you've got a, a big experienced athletic kid with big hands um great turnover numbers like takes care of the football so there's some there's some traits there that I don't think you can just sort of gloss over and and forget about but you know two years ago I didn't see an NFL quarterback I didn't see one in Will Levis for that matter at Penn State but um so he has come a long way the question is you know is he is he close to his ceiling and is there is there a is there a a plan B as far as his development? Can you put him in one of these multi-read offenses and expect him to break it down? And if so, when? Two years? Three? Four? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'll, let me ask you this really quick question, then I kind of want to yeah. tie this into what the Vikings should do. If Hendon Hooker had everything for him at Tennessee, like he does now, he tore his ACL, but he was coming into this draft at 21, how does that change his stock for you? If he came into last year's draft, you mean? No, if if, oh. if he was in this draft with everything oh. we know about him when he was 21 years old, how does that change his stock for you? Yeah, right. He goes way up. I mean, there's no doubt. Four years of, of or three and a half years of, of 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 untapped potential there or whatever. Yeah, that's that's the perfect situation. Then he is your ideal, you know, groom quarterback for a bridge guy or the, you know, outgoing starter, whatever you want to call him. And and I think it would be you know, fair to suggest that like maybe he's not your your QB two right away, but he could be your QB one down the road. So that changes a lot of it. I think the age is a big deal. Yeah, um, the Vikings obviously need to address quarterback of the future, and we talked about it here. But they don't necessarily have to go with a rookie. They could choose a veteran out. They could figure out a way to resign Kirk Cousins. They could try to enter the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. If you were sitting in the chair of Quasi Dolfo Mensa right now, Eric. What would your plan of attack be? How would you address the quarterback of the future? Yeah, I think you'd have to see how the early part of round one goes. Like, let's let's see past 
I would guess the Raiders seven, Falcons eight. I don't care what they've said about Desmond Ritter. I mean, for, for that matter, Desmond Ritter is a little bit like Hen and Hooker. I mean, there were some things there that that, that overlap, I think, and, and that's why, you know, he was a third-round pick, and, mm-hmm. and there's some, you know, do the Falcons love him as a starter, right? Once you kind of get past that phase of the draft, and you start thinking about, okay, what about the Titans at 11? If he's slipping past that, if Will Levis or, you know, I guess whoever QB4 would be, you got to look into it. I mean, especially if you think you maybe overachieved a little bit last year, there's a potential for slightly underachieving this year after, you know, I mean, I think it's a fair question to say, you know, what's to stop them from trading up unless they feel like, okay, we have a, a path with Kirk that we're going to take going forward. And yeah, like you said, let's, let's find a revised deal and make him our guy for the next couple of years. Cause I don't really think Kirk's been the problem, but I think you actually have to think about, like at the cost, moving on, all that stuff. I don't know. Are you in a different path than that? Would you rather just sort of think about, a, I don't know, a Tanner McKee or somebody like that, or are you going a different route? The one thing that this town does not want is another Christian Ponder. There is a, <laughs> mat, a large segment of the fan base, and um, our friends at Score North and Purple Daily, uh, who host the, oh, the top 10 football podcast in the nation, um, they talked about Christian Ponder PTSD, where they just don't want to see that kind of boss <laughs> against. They don't. Yeah. They don't even want to try. And I think they're right. Um, I I don't want to take a guy. I want to take the guy. And if the guy is not available in round one, you trade down, get some assets. I'm really intrigued by Clayton Tune from Houston. Um, I I think that there's something there. I thought yeah. he was a guy preseason who could have maybe made the leap to quarterback three because we had so much uncertainty with Stroud and. Um, what you call it? I'm pointing uh, to right too. <laughs> hey, uh, no, you're fine. I, I I get the points wrong all the time. Just ask producer Dave. Uh, <laughs> so I, I thought Tune could be a guy. I really yeah. like Jake Hayner, but I don't know if his ceiling's anywhere close to something you can develop. I yeah. absolutely love love Jaron Hall, but he's also 25 it. years old. But he's yep. 25 years old in a different element. Obviously, you have the Mormon mission baseball player. Um, and he drops the ball in a bucket better than I think anybody in this class as far yep. as those deep shots. He's he's so good. But I, I want them to at least take a shot at quarterback somewhere in the draft. But if it's not the guy early, take it I think you can develop and see what happens. Like, you never know. Brock Purdy uh, started the NFC Championship game as the last pick last year. Skylar Thompson started a playoff game and played pretty well against the yeah. Buffalo Bills. You you can't find a gem unless you take a shot. I look, I I I admit I did not see it with Purdy. I loved him as a sophomore. By the end of his senior year, I was done with him. And I and I, I failed to realize. I, I just failed to realize like kind of the same deal we were talking about earlier. Like he didn't have a whole lot around him. You know, he had to do a lot of that stuff to keep give them a chance to win. So yeah, I mean, there, there's that type of player can't be overlooked. But I like I like some of your choices there, especially Tune and and uh, uh, and Jaron Hall. I mean, Jaron had a pretty bad first day of the Senior Bowl, and I think that probably hurt him. He's a better player than what we saw down there. Yeah, and uh, it did come out later that he was playing with a high ankle sprain. Which I didn't even didn't realize that. Anything. I, yeah, yeah um, that helps. Fun, yeah. fun fact: I sat next to him at the airport Friday afternoon as he was flying out of town because he missed the yeah. game. Um, no, it, it, he had, uh, tape all over his ankle that it, it looked pretty rough, but yeah, it, 
hey, kudos on him for actually going out and competing because a lot of guys still wouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. Eric, uh, we're going to try and get you out of here in a little bit, but I want to at least touch on your mock draft that you released yesterday for NFL.com. Um, you had the Vikings selecting Kalijah Kansi, uh, the defensive tackle from Pitt. Uh, my biggest question is how do you see his fit with the Brian Flores defense? I know that that was the biggest thing. I, I I thought about that, and I don't know that there's a round one D tackle outside of of, of Jalen Carter, but which you know who the Vikings obviously mm-hmm. would be smart to do work on and everything because you never know what his stock is going to be. But um, mm-hmm. he's he's a different kind of player, and he doesn't necessarily fit in what you'd expect them to run, but. I think you could use him as kind of a sub package rusher early to give that third down group a little bit more juice. And, um, you know, sometimes these mocks are hard for me because you don't see an obvious fit for one team. And you think, boy, I could see this group moving up or, you know, this team is a definite trade down candidate. So, you know, unless you're projecting a bunch of trades and I did, I had a couple in round one in that mock, but, you know, I was like, you know, is Cansey perfect? No, but, he sort of fills a need, if you will, of, of of wanting to add pressure. I mean, you know, there's there's they're pretty thin up front, I think, right now. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, the size questions are, are going to be a big issue for that kind of defense, no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, before we get Eric out of here, Dave, do you have any questions for him about quarterbacks? <laughs> no, they're the bane of my existence. I just hope <laughs> the Vikings find one. Isn't that terrible? You, you you hate the position, but you know you need it, right? That's just yes. the worst of both worlds. <laughs> we haven't had think, that franchise one since Tarkington. Now you could debate whether Culpepper was, but yeah. it's 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 been so long. I would love to find that individual. I know. Hopefully in this draft. I mean, it I think it's gonna be tough unless there is that that guy who slides and I think Levis is the most likely candidate of the four uh you know I suppose that that there could be a scenario where the other ones do but but that's the one to keep an eye on I'm glad you're writing about that because you know I I I did consider a trade-up for them I did consider a possibility where Levis slid in that mock and yeah he's he's the one that makes the most sense from Minnesota's perspective in my opinion right now especially with the connection with Kevin O'Connell and Liam Cohen uh, yep. being that they work together with the Los Angeles Rams. Eric, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time. Um, tell us uh, where everybody can find you. And I know you guys have some good stuff coming up on NFL.com. We do. Yeah, NFL.com. Uh, I've got my mock up there now. I'm trying to think what the next thing is. I'll be updating some draft needs. I do the AFC. My my editor, Dan Parr, does the NFC team. So for Vikings people, send your hate mail to him, not me. Okay. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> I've got something working on the Georgia prospects down the road a little bit. That should be a fun story, kind of a historical look, and also look at their draft dominance. And also, I think I've got my top hundred list. I got updates soon, so there's a lot in the hopper, man. There's I gotta I gotta keep about six balls up in the air from now till April twenty, whatever, you know. Hey, at, at least you get to do it all in one place. I got about six or seven different balls yeah. up, and they're all <laughs> you wear a lot of hats. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. yes, I do. Uh, one final question for you. There's a lot of debate, and Dave kind of mentioned it with Dante Culpepper. Who do you think is the best, like off the cuff, best quarterback in Vikings history between the two, Dante Culpepper or Kirk Cousins? Wow, that's tough, man. I mean, Culpepper's mm-hmm. highs were pretty darn high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think Kirk gets. 
I know, I know, man, that one year. Well, man, it looked like he was going to be this generational guy, and then it just didn't happen. And it was like, what, what's going on? Shredded me. Yeah, he just wasn't the same after it was. I mean, obviously Miami was was proof of that, but I don't know. What do you take? The the, the guy with the brilliant short career, essentially short career, uh, or the one who's been pretty steady for a while? I maybe I'm still picking if it's like a one game deal, I'm taking picking Culpepper, but for the body work, maybe it's Kirk. I I'm I'm a pro Dante guy, but I, I love him. I also I also look at the context of what he had to deal with, carrying like 30th ranked defenses to the playoffs, yes. having to do everything that. himself. And the Red McCombs is so cheap that he wouldn't upgrade anything. When a coach got <laughs> fired, they wouldn't let him the team replace him. Mike Tyson's the lowest paid coach, and that was a huge deal. Like, yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. But I was, I was he, like, he had know, to pay for the pencil in his ear. That's how cheap Red yep. was, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now the Vikings are number one according to the NFLPA report card. So we've got a good group. Eric, thank you very much, my friend. I look forward to chatting with you again down the line. Um, and that this is going to be a fun draft season. We're 30 days away. Thank goodness. No, it's crazy. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. I always love helping out. Thanks, Eric. Uh, my my pleasure. From Eric, from Dave, I'm Tyler. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone!